Welcome to episode 75 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the work of writer director J.J. Abrams as well as his greater Bad Robot Universe. I'm your host. My name is Marcelo Nostroza, joined as always with my fellow co host Matt Crandall. And on today's edition of the show, we'll be taking a look at the 1991 film Regarding Henry, starring, starring Harrison Ford, directed by Mike Nichols and written by our very own J.J. Abrams. So with all that preamble out of the way, Matt, what did you think of Regarding Henry? So Regarding Henry is a great family drama that I did see I don't think in the, not certainly not in the theater, but back in the day on VHS, I remember this being like a real feel good tearjerker type of movie that I would watch uh, with my family and really liked it, especially because I was a diehard Harrison Ford fan. Obviously as a kid, Han Solo and Indiana Jones were two of my all time favorites. So anything Harrison Ford did, I would see. I obviously had no idea that this was written by Jeffrey Abrams, who also is a producer on this movie. So this one, unlike Taking Care of Business, where it's a co-write and that's basically it, this he did produce. So J.J., much more hands-on in this, is the sole writer credit, also does have a cameo in the movie like he did in the other one. This one a lot more obvious, so hopefully everybody's able to catch it. But I just think in terms of very interesting low-key movie. This isn't a high-concept movie. It's douchebag lawyer, gets shot, has to rehabilitate, realizes he was a piece of shit, and starts to put his family first and, and change his life, which is simple, elegant, and just really well done. Last week, we talked about how J.J.'s early films really don't have his DNA, but I thought, in regarding Henry, I thought J.J.'s DNA was all over this film. Specifically because J.J., he's really good at doing character drama. And he is really good at making the audience feel something for the characters that he is writing. And I thought that the way that he set up, the way that he set up Harrison Ford's character of Henry with him being a, a douchebag lawyer and only caring about his job and not caring about his daughter and not caring about his wife was so, so brilliant. That that setup really selled to me what happens in the film later on once he goes to the convenience store and gets shot and sort of has to start his life all over again. The, the film early on that really, really impressed me that showed that um, this character, Henry, didn't have any goddamn idea of what his daughter needed to hear or what his daughter wanted from him at that point was when... Uh, before they went to dinner uh, or after they came back from dinner, um, you know, Harrison Ford's daughter in the film, uh, you know, constantly ate food on his piano. And, you know, when she ate food on his piano, she would drop food on the piano and Harrison Ford got mad at her and grounded her. Anyway, when he came, when, when they came back from the dinner, uh, he tried to explain to her that his piano is like, her little doll, right? And when he tried to name the little doll, he didn't even know the name of her little doll. It's like the character completely forgot, you know, the actual point of what his daughter wanted. She didn't care that, you know, uh, her father grounded her. I think what she wanted was her her father to, you know, pay attention to her. 
Yeah, I think you're not wrong. And definitely that scene is one of the great scenes that sets up who Henry is pre-accident because he goes out to dinner and he's complaining. We see the movie opens with him winning a case at trial by being an absolute piece of garbage and ruining this elderly family's life. And the way that they let us know that this doesn't bother him is he gives this big speech about how this family is at fault and that this guy's an alcoholic. And then they cut to him on the phone, phoning in to complain about this table that he got that looks like a turtle and he wants them to come and get it. So we see what should be a moment where like he's compromising his morals and he's fighting for big pharma, which of course, a few years later, Harrison Ford would try and write the ship in the fugitive and take down big pharma. But in this, he's on the bad side. And so we see him at court. Then he's on the phone, just complaining about this table. Then we see him win the court case. And when he comes home, his daughter has spilt grape juice on his piano. And so I love that they go out for dinner and we see that him and Annette Benning have all these rich friends and all that stuff. And he comes home and he wakes her up and he tries to use that example of what if I had done something to Frank? And she's like, this stuffed toy is not named Frank. And he's like, well, that's beside the point. And she's looking at him like, no, if you knew anything about me, that is the point. Like you're just being this disciplinarian. You care more about the piano than you do me. And in that small scene, it tells us everything we need to know that this guy is more concerned with his job, material things like the piano and the turtle table than he is this kid who needs him. So it lays that groundwork that as this movie goes, we are going to get this transformation where he realizes what is actually important. And I just love that the whole thing about the piano is that she spilt the grape juice and the best scene of the movie is post being shot and rehab when they are at the breakfast table, the whole family and the daughter spills the orange juice and she starts to freak out because she thinks that her dad is going to kill her. And he said, Oh, don't worry about it. I do that all the time. And then he knocks over his orange juice and it's the biggest laugh. And it's the, the sweetest moment that shows how much this guy has changed over the course of the movie. So I thought that that is such a small thing. She spilt this juice and he was furious. And then later he's the one spilling juice and it's a heartwarming moment. So that was definitely that signature JJ Abrams heart coming through. And I think the fact that this movie is directed by Mike Nichols, who's one of the all time great comedy and, and heart directors who did the graduate, um, the birdcage, primary colors, postcards from the edge. This guy has a, a huge long resume. This is JJ working with people who are at the top of their game. So I think it brings out the best in everything because Harrison Ford is obviously incredible. And what did you think of Annette Bening as the wife? I really liked Annette Bening. I find her I found her to be alluring, kind, but she played it in such a way where she played that sort of trapped housewife who who wasn't really happy with uh, who wasn't really happy with where her marriage was he- where her marriage was heading but she played that trapped housewife in that she loved her husband but the magic wasn't there anymore and when Henry got shot it was like they got a second chance at their marriage and him having 
his accident really allowed them to assess what was important to them. And it was really an excuse for them to fall back in love with one another all over again. The one thing that I found to be very, very interesting and funny, like we don't see them a lot. They, 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 they're sporadically throughout the film, but Henry's business partners, Henry's lawyer friends, right? When Henry first gets injured and Annette Benny goes to the hospital and when she comes out and she sees the whole group sitting there and basically the, the, the owner of the law firm says, we're here, we're here. And I was like, dude, you sound so insincere right now. You sound like you don't give a shit about Henry. All you care about is your bottom line and all you care about is replacing is is when's this guy going to come back to work so he can start winning more cases for me so I can get money. But every one of those fucking lawyers except except uh, uh the, the um the woman who uh, Henry and ends up having or or had an affair with, which we find out later in the film, except her and Henry's secretary. But everybody else was such a fucking dick in that movie. And they just came off as so high class and so I don't give a shit about anything. I just I'm just self-centered and all I care about is myself. Did um did you sort of get that read on some of his, some of his coworkers? Yeah, when he gets shot and they come to the hospital, it's like, oh my god, what happened to the golden goose? Tell me that the golden goose is going to be okay. Not like actually caring about Henry himself. It's more them worried about their bottom line. And I do like that the simplicity of you know this guy who has all of the wrong priorities. And then he goes to the convenience store to buy cigarettes, which now movies can't show smoking now without it being like a hard R and without jumping through like a ton of hoops. So it's crazy that Harrison Ford is smoking indoors in this movie and he goes to buy a pack of smokes. And John Leguizamo in what must have been one of his early roles is the guy who shoots him. And it's a vicious attack. He gets shot big time and him getting shot in the head. We do see that that moment the business people are concerned, but it doesn't feel like they're concerned about him. It's more about how it's going to affect them. And so I did like that as we see him try and recover and come back to work, his partner, Bruce played by Bruce Altman, his boss uh, played by the great act character actor, Donald Moffat have like a little bit of human concern, but they're mostly concerned about like how long until this guy can go back to work. And I liked seeing them entertaining him at work and being frustrated that he can't do the job that he used to do. And we even see like, he has like a really nice office, but then partway through the movie, he gets shifted to like a really shitty office. And I think it's because he's not doing as good a job and he's not bringing in the bucks like he used to. And for him to be struggling, but going through the cases. And I love that we see now that he has a new perspective He's reevaluating his old work and he realizes he was shady as hell. And so I thought to see him get this do over where what if you had turned into a person that you didn't like, but a lot of people are so trapped in their life, they can't course correct. And this family, it took a tragedy to be able to realize what was actually important and find a way to course correct to fix the relationship between him and his wife and him and his daughter. And I just love all the small ways that they show that 
And part of it is all set into motion by how great a relationship Henry has with Bradley, the nurse played by Bill Nunn, who's so friggin' good as he's rehabilitating. Because at the start, after the accident, Harrison Ford is in super bad shape. And it's like, how is he ever going to make a comeback? Well, the way the movie stays afloat for that half hour is the charisma and charm of this great nurse played by Bill Nunn, who is just funny and he's willing to to basically inject a lot of personality into the movie when Harrison Ford is nonverbal and can't do much. And this guy keeps these moments alive. And I just love that he loves music and he loves to dance. And every time a woman walks by, he says something super inappropriate. Got to get me some of that already had some of that. And that's one of those like, Oh my gosh, nowadays, I don't know if they would let this guy be saying this stuff, but it's so charming and fun that this character, uh, And we find out why he wanted to become a a physical therapist. And that bond between them helps Henry onto the road to change and shows that there are more important things and rewarding things than helping rich people stay rich. Bradley, for me, was the highlight of the film. I mean, when he first shows up, when Henry is having that other therapist give him the exam with with the blocks, and he first shows up and he does the air guitar. The second he he, 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 he kind of bursts in, he does, he does the air guitar. I'm like, I love this guy. I, 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 I didn't remember how much I love this guy, but I love this guy. I love the way that he, because look, I'm as a disabled person, I've seen millions and millions of therapists over my, my years of physical therapy. And I don't think I've ever had this type of relationship with a physical therapist, but I love the fact that this character inhabiting a physical therapist went the extra mile to help his patient get back to a sense of normalcy. And the thing that he did that I loved is he kept talking to Henry even you know you know even if henry was was nonverbal like you said i mean even at one point he gives henry i guess lunch or dinner and he makes him like these really really disgustingly you know spicy eggs and henry eats the eggs and all of a sudden he goes henry just upchucks the eggs and that causes him to start speaking again and i love how excited the character of bradley was when henry started to speak again and when Henry said, Hey, um when you know when Bradley said, I'll give you anything you want. You want caviar? I'll give you anything you want. You just have to tell me and you just have to speak. And Henry said, the only thing I want is Ritz crackers. And I was like, that is just great. That's pitch perfect writing. And that's just great, great, great. The only thing about Bradley's character that really sort of made me question for a couple minutes. You you mentioned it in your comments. He is really, really inappropriate towards the people he works with. And I'm like, dude, look, 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 look. I'm not, look, I'm not approved. You guys know this. If you guys have been listening to the show, you guys know that I'm not approved. But I'm like, dude, do you realize, like, if you, if, if you actually spoke to somebody like that in a, a work environment today, your ass would be fired. That's the charm of the character. So I understood it, but I just was like, dude, come on, stop being such a horn dog. He's a horn dog. <laughs> he, he totally is. And that is one of those things that 
1991, it would have been perfectly fine. But 30 years later, it's like, you can't do that at your job unless you want to get in big trouble. But I did think it was charming. And I love that moment that you mentioned where Bradley makes eggs Bradley that are disgusting. And it gets Harrison Ford to go, ah! And he finally makes a noise because his mouth can't take the heat. And what was brilliant is what seems like something simple and something super comic when Henry finally says what he wants and he says Ritz and we're like, okay, he wants crackers. No problem. And then later he's painting boxes of Ritz crackers, which is one of my favorite parts of this entire movie is that he keeps painting Ritz crackers and he hangs up the painting of Ritz in his office at work and i'm just like this is amazing that this guy is so proud of these ritz cracker box paintings and it's so funny because everybody at his job must be like what in the actual fuck is going on here why does this guy love ritz so much and then they actually make it that that is a different memory trying to come through when he finds out that ritz ritz carlton was where he met this woman twice a week to have an affair and so I did love that something that seemed like product placement or an innocent joke ends up coming back and actually having a, a big impact on the story. And especially because I did read that the addition of those scenes with that woman was a late ad. So they only added that at the end when they realized that if only Annette Benning had an affair, then it's not as powerful as if they both were, were stepping out because it gives her more sympathy for the reason why she has strayed and didn't make her as much of a villain. It made it much more relatable that he also had this issue. So they added some scenes to really strengthen that storyline. And I think it was smart too, because when we find out that they both were at a place where they we're living a fake life together. And now through this journey, they are at a place where they are actually for the first time in years relating to each other on a real human level and actually enjoying each other's company. And we do see how much Annette Benning actually cares for Henry when he goes missing and goes on his walk. And that's the other like really great comic scene of the movie where he's walking around New York and uh, he goes to a dirty movie. He buys an ice cream cone and then he picks up that really cute dog. And just her concern when he's gone is genuine concern because she does care about him and doesn't want anything bad to happen to him. I think that when people have a a horrific event happen to them, whether it's a car accident or a death in the family, that gives people an opportunity to take stock of their lives and gives people an opportunity to sort of course correct. And I really like it in stories when you see people like that, but often in stories, people like that aren't, they, they don't have enough flaws or they're not, they're, they're bad, but they're not so, so bad that they're, that they're irredeemable, but I I, 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 spe I specifically like when you take a really, really bad person and something happens throughout the course of the story to sort of balance out his badness, where, where, uh, where another one of the characters does something to sort of take the hatred off of him for just a second. And I thought that the addition of giving Annette Benning an affair with... Uh, um, one of his partners from the office was just great. 
that storyline of the affair that um, that Henry was having did feel kind of tacked on to me. It 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 almost felt like it didn't quite fit. I mean, it felt like it fit, but while I was watching the film today, it felt kind of it, it felt like they were trying to stick a a square peg into a round hole. And hearing you saying the, the story about how that was a late addition totally makes sense now. It totally makes sense. Yeah, and it it's funny because the Ritz part of it feels so baked into the, the entire movie that it is weird that it does feel a little bit half-baked that, you know, that woman's like, I was in love with you and you were going to leave. And it's like, where did this all come from? So I do think that it isn't as strong as the rest of the movie, but the heart of this movie being that people can change. And when you realize what's important, you know, that's, that's the most important thing in life is the the relationships you have with people. And just the, the daughter is fantastic. This kid who every scene after the accident at first is awkward, but then they really bond and they become good friends and seeing Henry's reaction when he realizes she's going away to school. And he's like, well, why? And she's like, well, you guys, this is what we have to do. And he's like, doesn't want her to go leading up to that big moment where he gets the letter and he calls and the school's like, you can't talk to her. It's during the school day. And he's like, yeah, but she's upset. I got to talk to her. And they're like, that's not how we do things here. And then they show up and he he's pulling her out of school. And the headmistress is like, what's going on? He's like, I already missed the first 12 years. I'm not going to waste any more time. Is one of those seize the day carpe diem moments that there are lots of things in life you wish you could do that a lot of people don't. And sometimes that can be a big regret. And so this moment where Henry doesn't want those regrets anymore, he doesn't want to, to be absent. He's willing to sacrifice some of the material things in life for the things that are actually important and having his daughter close to him and his wife and starting over somewhere else is more important than keeping up appearances and doing what people think they should do. And even that's one of those things where in the first part where he's complaining about that table after the accident, he's like, wow, I love this table. And it's like, well, part of him probably just thought, you know, he actually did love the table, but keeping up appearances, that was not the kind of table that someone like them should own. And so something just small like that shows that their life before was so phony that when you actually start living and just for stuff that makes you happy, it's a much better way to live. If I did have any negatives about this movie, and you're going to probably laugh when I say this, or I'm really interested to see how you're going to react to this. I like uh, the director of this film very, very much, Mike Nichols. I mean, my favorite film of his that he directed was A Birdcage. I love that film. I I love that film. Unabashedly the pieces. But as I was watching this film, he doesn't do he didn't do a lot of close-ups like on faces or anything like that, right? And I was thinking to myself, if JJ directed this thing, it would have been tight on these people's faces during these conversations. And I was like, that would have been so much better if JJ actually directed this thing. Because if he directed this thing, it would have been a full JJ joint. That's a minor complaint. The, the way that um, Mike Nichols directed this. This movie was great. I particularly liked the way that he directed the opening scene of this film. When he comes into the courthouse, he goes all around. He, he goes this way and he goes all the way around the courtroom. But you don't really notice what he does until he comes back around. I thought that was genius. That was a nice, simple camera move. I thought that was great. You didn't have to do that. Right. It is a movie that I think does 
prefer the simple and the natural over being showy. So he doesn't do too much fancy camera theatrics, but when he does, they're impactful. And I do think that some of the the wider shots get us to feel the space more. And even in those character moments, there are a few where the acting is coming through, even if it's not a, a super tight shot. So I didn't mind it. Um, but I certainly think JJ would have tackled it different. I don't know at this point in his career, if it would have been better because I don't know that he necessarily had the tools in his toolbox yet for that aspect. And we did mention earlier, or I did that he had a cameo and it is when he is the grocery delivery man. And he is the reason that Henry goes out on his wild adventure, uh, throughout the city. Cause he leaves as JJ is waiting to get paid at the door and JJ doesn't say jack shit as Henry goes by and, and leaves. Dude, I I missed that one again. Guys, this is two weeks in a row. I keep missing cameos, guys. I gotta I gotta I gotta do something about this, but I missed that one too. Uh Matt, do you have like any standout favorite scenes of this film? Yeah, so I touched on it briefly. My my basic favorite scenes are the anytime that it's him and Bradley together early on when they're they're trying to get him to talk and when Bradley is being inappropriate. I love all that stuff, but mainly it's that that breakfast scene with the whole family there and just the funny stuff of like, you know, do you want eggs? No, I hate eggs. You love eggs. Okay. <laughs> and and then spilling the juice. Um that is just really fun but gets to the heart of the matter right away. So I would say that breakfast scene um is is my favorite scene of the movie. How about you? For me, I have um, more than a couple of scenes. Like, like my favorite scene in the movie, uh, we've touched on it several times in the show today, but I love that scene where they're all sitting around the table and his daughter spills the juice and he thinks, you know, she thinks that, you know, Henry's going to freak the fuck out, but he doesn't do that. And he spills the juice himself and he says, I've, you know, I do this all the time. But the reason why I love that scene so much is because it, when I first, when I saw it today, it reminded me of the of the magnificent scene in Jaws when Chief Brody is sitting at the dinner table, he's drunk off his ass, and his son is just mimicking what he does. And he goes, give me a hug. And his son goes, why? Because I need it. The scene in regarding Henry reminded me so much of that scene in Jaws. And knowing how much of a fan J.J. is a Spielberg, I wouldn't be surprised if he wrote that scene as sort of his homage to Jaws. There's two more scenes that I really love. The other scene that I love is when Henry is sort of depressed and he's sort of down in dumps and his wife gets Bradley to sort of, you know, have a confab or have a friend so he can open up, basically. And Henry goes, um, I I don't know, like, like I, di- I didn't like what it was. Like, 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 I was a really shitty person. Henry starts to open up and then... That's where we get the big exposition dump of why Bradley became a physical therapist. And I love that scene so, so much. I thought it's it's so calm, quiet, and so well written. I loved it. The last scene that I love is after Henry and Sarah have their big blowout. Henry comes back to the apartment and Sarah answers the door. And all he says, all that Henry says is, I know this good seafood place. 
That's all he says. And then, like, they go in each other's arms, they hug, and they cry, and, you know, all this shit. And then he goes, I hate eggs. <laughs> and, then, and then they start laughing. And I just, I just think that that is so, so simple, but it says so, so much about the potential of where their marriage could go from that point on that it really, really left me with a smile on my face. It really, really did. Yeah, it's a good life-affirming, feel-good movie, even with all the the drama that everybody goes through. So if you haven't seen Regarding Henry from 1991, you definitely should check it out because very entertaining. Even 30 years later, it still holds up as just a great, powerful movie with feel-good moments and awesome performances from Benning and Ford. Just terrific. I think that'll do it for this edition of Radio 815. Listen, if you guys like anything that we do here and you want to reach out to us, want to give us comments about the show, or want to give us suggestions about what to talk about next, uh, there are a couple ways to reach us. You can reach us on Twitter just by using the hashtag Radio 815, or you can reach out to us also on Twitter by using the hashtag uh, JJUniverse815. If you want to talk to me personally, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at CreekFanatic88. But Matt, if the good folks at home want to chat to you about anything, what would, be the place, what would be the best place for them to do that? On Twitter, at Matt Crandall. All right, guys. Before we go on today's show, I would like to mention a couple things. If you want to catch up on old episodes of our show, I just want to make you aware that we just recently launched our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Radio A15, where we post all of our old episodes every Monday. So if you want to catch up on older episodes of our show, but you don't necessarily want to do it by using whatever podcast service you happen to be using at this very point in time, you have another option there in our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Radio A15. Also, I would like to mention for those of you who still use Facebook, we do have a brand new Facebook page. It's at JJUniverse815, where every Monday we also share old episodes of our show there as well. So you guys have all sorts of ways to reach out to us and talk to us if you'd like. But until next time, as always, we'll talk back soon. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.